This episode of Ministry Monday is sponsored by NPM and Liturgy Training Publications. Together, we offer the Essentials of Catholic Liturgy, a foundational course perfect for music directors and music ministers. The Essentials of Catholic Liturgy begins on October 2nd. In this introductory session, participants will explore the structure of the Mass, the liturgical calendar, sacramental celebrations, and popular devotions of the Church. Participants will gain a greater understanding that will help them carry out their role as a pastoral musician. Registration closes next Friday, September 22nd. For more information or how to register, visit www.teocl.org. That's teocl.org. From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is episode 228 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I'm your host, Amanda Bruce. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to Ministry Monday wherever you listen to your podcasts each week. And hey, thanks for joining us. Ministry Monday is happy to offer a two-part series on lessons and carols. Today's episode features NPM member Timothy Lewicki, Director of Music at All Saints Catholic Church in Manassas, Virginia. Timothy shares his best practices for lessons and carols at his parish and provides some takeaways for recruitment, engagement, and musicality, whether it's your parish's 10th Lessons in Carols or your first time offering the service. It's a great conversation to round out our discussion on the podcast on Lessons in Carols. Tim joins us from his office at All Saints in Manassas. Today on Ministry Monday, I am speaking to Tim Lewicki. Hi, Tim. How are you? Hi, Amanda. I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for chatting with us on Ministry Monday today. It's going to be great. I am so happy to be talking to you. But before we start talking about lessons and carols, which is the topic of what we're going to do today, um, would you mind just kind of sharing a little bit about yourself? So uh, I'm Tim Lewicki. I'm the music director and coordinator of liturgical ministries at All Saints Catholic Church in Manassas, Virginia, part of the Arlington Diocese. We're uh, I, I joke with my friends that we're a small country parish, but we are over 24,000 members. The place never stops. Wow. Um, <laughs> um, so we have a very large, diverse program. Um, we're probably close to 50-50 uh, Anglo-English speaking and Spanish speakers. Um, so there's lots of opportunities and, and lots, of, lots of music making. That's wonderful. How long have you been there? 
I've been uh, seven and a half years now. Wow, that's yeah. wonderful. That's wonderful. Awesome. And today we're here to talk about, we could talk about a lot of musical opportunities, like you said, but today we are going to talk about lessons and carols. One of my favorites. I love Advent music. Yeah, I do too. I always feel like Advent music is so hard because there are so, so many good ones and we only get four weeks out of the year. Mm -hmm. So lessons and carols. Um, how, first off, how long have you been a part of any type of lessons and carols, whether you were directing it or participating in one? Uh, so my first sort of experiences was when I was in college. We did uh, uh, readings and carols. Um, we want to, you know, do more lessons. They were different poetries and, and that sort of thing. Um, but I've been doing it here in the parish since I started my last parish, and I've done one uh, every year I've been here. So I've probably done. 10 or 15 different variations of Lessons and Carols, um, mm -hmm. but always Advent. Uh, I, I like that the best. So I've sung um, them, I've played them, I've directed them. <laughs> You've been a part of them for quite some time. Currently, what do you do in terms of formatting for Lessons and Carols? Do you follow a traditional format where you have eight readings or do you do things a little bit differently? Yeah, so I, I use what's in the uh, Carols Requires. I think it's the second volume that has the Advent, um, the Advent order in the back. It's seven lessons. Um, and we try to do one or two hymns, motets, carols, whatever per per lesson. Um, always an opening and a closing, and fill in the blanks. Readings are always the same. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In terms of participation for your music ministry, what does that look like? Is it just a choir participating? Is it a soloist or they're instrumentalists? What does that look like? We've done it a number of different ways, uh, but usually here we do the my the eleven thirty choir, our handbell choir, um, and I have a woman I hire a friend who plays the harp, uh, so she plays harp, she plays organ, so she kind of fills in things. Um, in the past, we've even partnered with other with another church, so that the choir is even bigger. Um, but we have singers, handbells, and usually a harp. Do you, how much do you stray or change the music every year? How do you plan for that music? Do you kind of have certain songs that stay the same every year, or do you change all of the music every year? What does that look like? A little bit of both. I mean, like we said before, there's so much good music for Advent. Mm -hmm. um, so it's always got to have O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and Savior of the Nations, Come, and Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, right? There's People Look East, all these wonderful hymns. And then the the choral stuff is where we can kind of vary from year to year. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to be mindful as we're planning, because there's, right, there's only so much time between November and Christmas. So a lot of the stuff we do also plugs in for Sunday liturgy, liturgy too. Um, so double duty as much as we can. Um, so if there's something knew that we're working on for uh like the third sunday in Advent or whatever the I, i'm getting my advent and lent confused gaudete latare <laughs> whichever one it is the joyful one um you know or something a little bigger that we um make sure we work that into um because the and then finding the right lesson to kind of pair it with so when you go for those new pieces every year how do you find them? How do you plan? What are some of your planning resources? Uh, various things. I look at some other people's programs, whatever I can find. Um, it's a great summer project to just listen to Advent and Christmas music, right? Um, yes. 
I, I dig back in our library, see what we've done before. Um, the, another gr great research uh, spot uh, is the NPM planning calendar. The, the Coral Anthem project is fantastic. Um, there's usually something new, something different that we can find there. Um, even at the convention, um, Hank does a great job with those with those sessions. So we just kind of, we don't wanna to do too much new, um, but one or two pieces is, is always nice to keep things fresh. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm glad you said that though, because so this this is part two of our of our lessons in Carol series. And in the previous discussion we had, one of the things that we talked about was that the challenge of lessons in Carol's during Advent is that it's during Advent. And so you have like you have to make sure that you don't use all of your energy in just lessons and carols because you have all of Christmas that you have to prepare your ministers for too. And so I'm glad you said that it's you know, it's it's definitely a balance of both. I like that you say that you use things that are multi-purposed, if you will, where they go into lessons and carols and in the weekend liturgies. That makes a ton of sense. Um, finding things that can really work and help the choir economize their time and talents um, sure. during a during a time of year where our energy is very stretched. Especially this year, where we really only have three weeks of Advent, right? Yes. It's that great flip where all of a sudden we're Christmas Sunday <laughs> afternoon. It's going to be. I know. <laughs> I know. I, I feel like I could have an episode just on that because that came up in the other discussion too. Like <laughs> this is the year where I like to, well, not that I like that it's Advent fours on a Sunday as well, but either with Christmas Eve, but it's the year where you could go to anyone at an NPM chapter event or convention and say, can you believe Christmas Eve is on a Sunday this year? And we understand how crazy that is. <laughs> yeah, the, the last time that happened, I think it was in 2016 or 2017, we had masses from Saturday night through Monday. I think we had 14 or 15. It was it was insane. Yeah, it wasn't. Oh my gosh, I know. I, I think, I feel like Folgers or Starbucks needs to yeah. sponsor, <laughs> sponsor this year. Absolutely. <laughs> But anyway, so back to our conversation. <laughs> um, so what we just talked a little bit about, of course, the the uniqueness of timing in the midst of the fact that it was in Advent. Um, have you found any specific day time that works best for your lessons and carols in your region? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one, of biggest, one of our biggest challenges uh, at here at All Saints is is the number of different activities that happen. Um, like I said, we have a, a large Spanish speaking population here, a, a lot from Mexico. So Our Lady of Guadalupe is like bigger than Christmas in some ways. Um, so that limits, you know, that that second week of Advent because uh, our parish, the, the there's a whole committee and they build a shrine in the church. So that eliminates days, right? And then you have Immaculate Conception. And then we have confessions every Wednesday night. And then there's first Friday. I mean, there's all these little plugs. So the last few years, we've ended up having it on a Monday night, which is not ideal. Um, but it also uh, goes off of the RE sessions. So there's there are parents that are sitting down listening to Advent music while they're waiting for their kids, which is maybe they wouldn't be exposed to it. Um, but it, it's the only night that works. I mean, that's, that's part of the challenge too. Um, it would be lovely to do it on a Sunday afternoon, but we have masses, you know, all, all day. Um, so it's, it's one of the joys and the challenges, right, of, of a large parish is, is finding finding time for one more thing. Um, but it's it's a beautiful, beautiful liturgy, a paraliturgy, um, but it's, it's a good thing to do. So we find time for it. 
you mentioned right now that it's it's Monday nights. Mm-hmm. Um, just to clarify for someone who's listening and might not know what RE is, RE oh. is religious education, right. correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we have, again, everything's big. There's three different sessions, three different nights. So we're always competing against something. In your large parish, is it a clustered parish? Do you have lots of multiple locations or is it just one building? Just the one building. Um, we actually have a mission that's associated with us too. So there's, um, that's kind of offsite, but it's all um, it's just one building. And you mentioned, of course, that your parish in particular is is largely bilingual. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any considerations linguistically for lessons and carols when you plan for that reason then? Um, not not really. Uh, we do sing uh, mostly English, some Latin things at our lessons and carols, but it's predominantly a, a, an English speaking um, service. Uh, again, there, there are other large Spanish speaking activities in Advent with, with Our Lady of Guadalupe that, that, that occur. Um, so no, it's just mostly in English, but bilingual lessons and carols would be an interesting thought. It opens up a whole, whole nother box, a whole nother um, collection, right. Of, of Advent stuff. It does. It definitely would too. So for your lessons and carols, it does sound like it's a traditional structure though. Mm-hmm. Um, in carols for choir, as you mentioned that book, can you, can you just share a little bit more information about that? Is that published by Oxford? Yeah. So Ox- Oxford university press, the, the Christmas lessons and carols, the big one that like King's college is based off of that. And that's in volume one. I think it's, it's orange, uh, but volume two is green. I think they're up to six or seven different volumes now, but one and two are kind of the, the staples. Um, lots of wonderful, wonderful carol arrangements in there. Um, and a lot of them are separate, uh, published as separate octavos now too, because the books are like $20, $25 a piece, um, which can add up, uh, even at a large parish and with, with what, what budget we have. Right. Um, but it's, it's a wonderful resource, even if it's just one on, on the music director's shelf, but that, so in the very back of each volume, the Volume one has the Christmas order, so the traditional nine lessons and carols, and volume two has the Advent lessons and carols, which was developed a little later. Nice. Great. And I'll, if you're listening, I'll put that in the show notes of this episode as well, um, if you're interested in looking at that book. This is not sponsored. Not a sponsored no. <laughs> uh, but uh, but good, good to mention. I'll put, I'll put a link if you're interested in looking at that resource as well. Okay, so we talked a little bit about the resource itself for planning. Now, in terms of execution, do you make some type of worship aid for the lessons and carols? Oh, of course. <laughs> um, so we we have worship aids for almost everything here at All Saints. Um, but so our lessons and carols is part of our concert series. Um, so that's another sort of uh, source of funding, right, to, to help to help put that together. Um, so I, I use uh, InDesign to to put it together. It has um, all the carols, the texts for all the, the anthems and motets that the choir is singing. Um, my predecessor had written up a little history of lessons and carols and how why we're doing it today. So that's in there. Um, and it's it's nice. We do it in color and it's 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 a nice sort of reflection piece. That's great. That's great. Now, do you print the music in it as well? I do. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's one of my one of my little quirks, every, everything matches, you know, I types it all the carols and it's all, um, but it's, it's important that it's, it's beautiful looking as well as, you know, the, the content in it. Um, I think it may be a little detail or some people may say, well, that's a lot of time. 
Um, but the uniformity of it, I think, helps bring the liturgy together. Of course, you are a part of the music planning and execution. Um, how do you recruit slash engage readers for the lessons and carols? That's a great question. Um, so traditionally, right, if the King's College Cambridge kind of model, it starts with a chorister and it goes all the way up different ranks of uh, people involved in the, the chapel life, right? Um, so in years past, I've tried to get um, some of our, we have a youth lecture program, which are basically middle school-ish age children, um, and some of our better adult lectors. Um, you know, you can pick and choose um, and, and invite people to participate in that way. So I tried to get a mix of uh, youth and adults um, to kind of show, showcase our, our lecture ministry as well. I can assign who I think is going to be able to do these funny Old Testament readings, um, you know, the names that people have to practice. And so they're prepared and it's, it's a it's a nice flow. It's a good way to involve others as well, right? Oh, yes. I was just going to say that. Do you, I was just going to say, do you have the same readers every year or do you have different readers? Um, it depends. Uh, usually they're, they're, um, there's a couple that do it every year because they like it, um, which is mm -hmm. great. And then we, we, we get others to, to fill in those holes. Mm -hmm. So we, we have a question that was submitted in advance from someone who doesn't currently do Lessons and Carols, but is interested in it this year. Mm -hmm. And their question essentially was, um, do you see Lessons and Carols being adaptable in a way where maybe the music isn't traditionally what's used? So for example, something like Tizé music, is that something that you could see work? Yeah. Um, I've actually, I've used, I used some Taizé um, in the, the last few years. Um, I think it's beautiful. You can do anything, really. Um, let the, the different lessons, I mean, they, they kind of, as you read them, it just calls out different texts. There's, there's stuff about blooming in deserts and things. So, ooh, Loha Rose. Or, uh, you know, think about where that text goes. Um, there's... Uh, one of the Teze pieces that we've done before is like obviously wait for the Lord, but also in the Lord, I'll be ever thankful. I mean, that mm. it also ties in with one of the readings. So thinking about it, and especially if you know Teze pieces, um, they're just beautiful in their simplicity. And if you use different instrumentation, like if the, the handbells can play chords or the harp can do arpeggios, or it could just be the choir on ooze, you know, you can kind of kind of play with that, right? Um, and that's one of the, the beauties about something like Teze. Um, but yeah, it doesn't have to be high church, lots of organ stuff, right? The high church. Um, it can be, it can be anything. Um, it, it's, doesn't have the same rules, quote unquote rules, right? Um, about what text has to be sung when, and for how long, and as soon as father gets to the chair, you better stop singing, right? It, it, right. it's outside of those normal Sunday stuff. So yeah, experiment. Why not? Mm -hmm. I think it can be anything. I agree. My last question to you actually kind of ties into that. Um, what would you say to someone who may be listening to this episode and who wants to do lessons and carols this year, but maybe has not done it in the past? What would be your advice for someone who wants to do it for the first time this year? I would say do it. Um, keep, <laughs> keep it simple. Um, maybe your first year, if your choir knows a great setting of Loha Rose or a really nice setting of Creator of the Stars of Night or something like that. Focus on that and then plug in 
carols. I mean, it could be just congregational things or simple, you know, your favorite Advent stuff that, that plug in really nice with the readings. Because a lot of the readings in the in the, the lessons, um, the carols requires volume two Advent thing, are less readings that we hear throughout the Advent season anyway. Um, so you're already thinking about music that goes with those texts. So just plug that in and don't do seven, do five, do, you know, pick different readings, do, do it um, kind of like an expanded, what you would do before midnight mass, pick two or three readings, do a reading, do two carols, do a reading. Um, ask, ask your pastor to get involved or one of the priests and they could do like an opening prayer from the fourth Sunday of Advent or something like that. And just structure it. It doesn't have to be, again, we're outside of those rules of on the fourth Sunday of Advent, we say this prayer and this prayer and sing this thing. Right. right. Um, we can be a little more creative in, in doing lessons and carols and, um, you know, do whatever works in your situation. I love that. I agree. And it's funny that you say that because, um, Jennifer Rungi, the other person that I spoke to about Lessons and Carols on part one, she said almost the same thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, I, I love yeah. Lessons. Yeah, and it's, I think it's beautiful too, because like you said, like there is such flexibility that can make things more compatible with the needs of a parish mm -hmm. that um, I think it's totally, I think it's totally a great option for someone to try and like you said like make it as simple as you'd like mm -hmm. and, and even i did this just came into my head because i didn't mention it before but i usually try to work in like a piece of organ music or a instrumental like with with the harpist that we have so even if you, you don't have a big choir the choir can't all be there you like you're missing basses for this thing <laughs> like, like in a little block chorale or um a piano meditation on a on a advent carol or something like that i mean it doesn't all have to be sung right it can be instrumental stuff too so that goes back into the flexibility well i know it's probably unique to be talking about this in august or september at least it feels a little funny but at the same time it kind of doesn't huh i mean it's it's time for planning and so i think in in some ways it's this definitely framed the conversation in a wonderful way so i i, I thank you so much tim for your time on this topic and thank you for sharing what your best practices and um i hope you have a wonderful fall and planning season time thanks amanda it was great to be here good to thank talk you. to you Thanks so much to Tim for his time today. For more information about this episode, check out the show notes at ministrymonday.org. The recording of Once in Royal David City was produced by Oregon Catholic Press, and today's theme music was produced by Aaron Schaus. Today's episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, Thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next time on Ministry Monday.